Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome this week. Hello. Hi there. We're going to have a couple of interesting topics coming up. Chaz is coming back on to discuss gaming social. We had a lot of questions about that, so he's going to attempt to answer a few of them. And admittedly, mm-hmm. it's only going to be a few because in order to cover everything that was asked, we'd probably need the special eight-hour version of user-friendly. <laughs> uh, which uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to listen to that. No, yeah, I don't not. know that I'd want to record that. But uh, we'll certainly <laughs> hit the highlights and talk about some of the things that are going. He's had quite a good turnout for the beta team. They're still taking signups at gamingsocial.net, which is a cool thing. And it looks like there's a lot of interest. So more power to it. I always like to see a small business be successful. You know, the other thing we're going to be talking about this week is comic books, and we've been promising this for a while, so we're finally honoring that. We've got some of your questions that have come in about comic books, which Jeremy is going to answer, and then you're talking, I think, Iron Man this week? Yes. Cover that. The Incredible History of Iron Man. (laughs) Incredible History of Iron Man. So uh, I might even have some questions for you on that as well, but uh, Tony Stark is a very interesting character, I know, in the comic books. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you feel like I met him once at that Comic Con. That guy in the Iron Man suit looked just like him. He, so it wasn't yeah, even yeah. just the suit; it was when he opened the mask. There was Tony. Yeah, <laughs> there was. Yeah, he looked great. It's been cool. Yeah, so, it was. It was really cool. Well, keep the questions coming in. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. You can look up user friendly two there. Userfriendlyshow.com is our website. Any of those places are a good location to submit your questions and your comments and even criticisms, or play the archives. It's all there for you, and it's all free to do. Plus, a question that comes in is, what podcast networks are we on? Most of them. iHeart and others, just go to your favorite one, but make sure you ask for User-Friendly 2.0, because there are other shows that want to use our name, and they're not us. So it's yeah, important definitely to not yep, us. just make sure you've got the right one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> in any event, what do we have in the news today? New camera system taps into terahertz wavelengths for better imaging. So my first question that I had thought about when I saw this is why would you want to do this? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because you want super uh, defined photos. Yes, <laughs> well, absolutely. Super defined photos. Here's the thing about this that can be kind of almost scary is this type of an imaging system can see through certain materials in very high detail. Uh-oh. Oh, my. Yeah. And they're talking about using it for security scanners and other sensors like that. Now, there are certain probably military applications where something like this would be really good. But, you know, the idea of privacy, I know, has changed a lot in the age of the Internet. But there's a part of this that seems like it almost takes it a step further. The thing of it is, is the technology to pick up these frequencies, these wavelengths, isn't new. But the older equipment is big, bulky, slow. For practical conditions, it just didn't work. But this new system that they're looking at putting out actually will work within the current setup for cameras so that it can work in a smaller environment and be easier to use. So we'll see where that goes. Huh. Okay. Apple's AR glasses could slip to 2026, according to the analysts. Yeah, and this doesn't shock me either. It's augmented reality. It seems like they're having some difficulty with practical application for a civilian commercial-based version of these type of glasses. There's a few products out there. 
Uh, some of them work pretty well compared to a few years ago, but it's not certainly not mainstream yet. Uh-huh. And I know one of the big things is with those type of systems that I've tried is they have to be physically plugged into your phone or another device. They tend to have some difficulties. They run the batteries out quickly. So getting to a standpoint of something, especially for the standards that Apple usually goes by, not always, but usually, they would want something that's going to be workable. And they've always been a company that if it doesn't work right away, you get it, but it might be a little bit later, but it's usually worth waiting for. So we'll see where this ends up going. That would be three years from now. Who knows? Starlink is adding a one terabyte data cap for usage during peak hours. Yeah, so up until now, Starlink's usage has been unlimited, but they're getting a lot more traffic on the network. And during peak hours, they are implementing this so that they can share the bandwidth properly. Uh, This doesn't shock me. We see limitations in metering on a lot of internet platforms now, especially with the higher speeds. I know Comcast and Charter do that on there as a lot of the fiber providers have the same type of thing. And what it is, is when your connection is one gigabit, all of a sudden you can download a whole lot more than you could when it was a hundred megabit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And as a result, the traffic on the network goes up substantially. So the idea that that would bog things down is a thing. So I don't think people are going to like this necessarily, but I do understand why it's necessary. Hmm. How Apple Watch is helping veterans and active service members deal with nightmares from PTSD. Yeah, and we've been talking about in the past wearable electronics and the fact that uh, these are being used a lot more in the medical areas. And this is a thing called nightwear. And it's a thing that helps veterans who suffer from nightmares due to PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Does it wake them up? It uses sensors in the Apple Watch with haptic feedback to detect and then disrupt nightmares as they happen. Oh, okay. So it does kind of like wake them up so they don't have to go through it? Or what? It would knock you out of the sleep cycle. And it's kind of an interesting idea. And they have this out there. I think they're doing a bit of a proof of concept right now where it is actually starting to be prescribed as of press time. It has been prescribed 400 times in the United States or to 400 patients at least according to Apple, mm-hmm. almost all of the patients are active duty military or veterans, which would make a lot of sense. So this type of a thing is very interesting. I think I'm going to try to get my hands on this technology, see how it works, and then we can talk about it a little bit more. Apple generally doesn't do interviews, but there might be some experts out there that can talk to us about it beyond that. I always think that these kind of quality of living devices that are you know, built into our wearable tech now are a big deal. And there is a lot of information starting to be out there where there's success that this can actually save people's lives, among other things, this being applicable to PTSD, which is a major, major problem among the service. You know, if it can help, great. And it's a technology that is easy to get a hold of. Well, I could also see this being useful in the civilian population for Ukraine. Uh, Those people have been through a lot, especially like the children. So yeah, let's, PTSD, let's see how that's this, going to be a whole nother thing. And hopefully yeah, we're going to have a generation really of really injured people. So uh, I hope this turns out really well. Okay. Latest firmware update is bricking the Galaxy Watch 4 for some. So Galaxy Watch, for anybody that hasn't heard about it, is a smart watch that's done by Samsung. I had a very early version of this. I really liked it. it the only reason I got rid of it is I had changed my phone from a Samsung phone to a Pixel and it wouldn't work with the Pixel, so I switched over to a Fitbit. But they were good products, at least at that time. 
But unfortunately, the Galaxy Watch 4 and the 4 Classic are having some problems with the firmware. They've halted sending out the updates and are recommending people wait until the next patch. Um, if you've already installed the update, the only thing they're giving us is the best thing you can do right now is to try your best to keep the battery from running out until the next update rolls out because if it has been bricked, a patch isn't going to be enough to save it and you're going to have to contact Samsung and if it powers down, that's a problem. Uh, Lab-grown blood given to people in a world-first clinical trial. Yeah, so this sounds like an interesting thing, too. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. So artificial blood, I I guess it's not really artificial, but it's certainly uh, uh, definitely something that could help if this is successful. Most blood transfusions, most blood in general, it's used for that. relies on people regularly rolling up their sleeves and being willing to donate. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to get it sometimes in certain areas. If you don't have people donate, you can have blood shortages. And then the other option is, is there are some very rare blood types out there. Mm-hmm. So if we had a way to be able to create this artificially and not have it be rejected, that could be a very, very positive thing for solving some of those problems. So they start with a normal donation of a pint of blood, and then magnetic beads are used to fish out flexible stem cells that are capable of becoming a red blood cell. The stem cells are encouraged to grow in large numbers in the lab. I love that lab term, encouraged, right? Encouraged, yeah. (laughs) Then they are guided to become red blood cells. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. I'm not sure I'd want to be one of the people that this is being tested on, but hey, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it will be successful. Electricity generating windows? Swiss scientists design more efficient, transparent solar panels. Yeah, this falls under my opinion of really cool. So what they've been able to do is make a solar panel that you can't tell it's really a solar panel, and you can use it as a window pane. That's That's essentially what this is. And you put that in, so now all of your windows can generate electricity. I mean, that's that's cool. cool. Yeah, (laughs) I totally agree. (laughs) So I think this is going to become a big thing for self-sufficiency and getting on to renewables that actually work and are dependable. Each one of these things is a step in the right direction. This is User Friendly 2.0. Got a great show coming up for you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Last week on the show, we got to talk to Chaz about a new social media platform that's being put together called Gaming Social. And it seems like we've gotten a lot of questions from that and uh, wanted to have a chance to answer some of them. So, Chaz, I'd like to welcome you back to the show. Hey, thanks, Bill. Glad to be here. So, I just thought I'd let you know, and I'm, I know I'm kind of launching this on you, I haven't uh, shared this with you yet, but from the beta team as of today, We've had a lot of signups. In fact, we've had 2,714. Do you consider that to be successful? Extremely successful, yes. But yeah, I'm so I, <laughs> so that's cool. Hey, you know, we're well on our way. And the thing of it is, is uh, a lot of people are asking questions. So what I wanted to do is just bounce some of these off of you. And a lot of these are kind of, oh, 10,000 foot level. I think people are just trying to figure out the details and what's going on and what the plans are. Let's go ahead and jump right into that. The first question came from, let's see, Nevada. Can anyone use this app? 
Absolutely. Uh, a novice gamer, someone who, ju- who are just interested in gaming, they're just uh, wanting to find out information. They don't necessarily maybe want to go gamble, but maybe they're looking for a friend. Either way, anyone can access this. Anyone can use it. And it's a one-start shop for anyone interested in, in hospitality, uh, the gaming behind it, however they want to enjoy their gaming experience. No, that's, 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 a, you know, it's another area. I'm not going to put the, pose the questions today, but we've had a lot of interest too from hospitality. And I think that that's uh, uh, going to be something that we'll want to focus on on its own front. I know that's in there and I know it uh, kind of is and isn't its own thing. Now, will this, will the app work on both Apple and Android devices? Yes, the app will be implemented on both Apple and Android. Okay, so if you have an iPhone or you have an Android Samsung phone or something, you'll be able to use it either way. You know, another part of this, too, that I know is being asked is, will there be a desktop version? In other words, can you also get to it from your computer? And I think the answer to that is yes, too, isn't it? It is, absolutely. We want to give access through as many channels as possible. So whatever platform we seem feasible, uh, we'll, we'll have it up there. Another question that came in on access is, will there be kiosks in the casinos? Is there going to be a way to get it beyond your own mobile device? Uh, th- that would defeat the purpose of maybe going to a location and wasting the, the guest's time. Uh, I don't see the need for a kiosk in a casino because they want to know where they're going before they go. Uh, it would sort of like just be a goose chase in, a, in, in some uh, matter of speaking. We want them to be informed before they even leave their front door. So they know where they're going. They know where they want to play. They know what they're going to eat. They know what show they're going to see, all based on a a very specific uh, score that we're going to give on the app. You know, and this is an interesting thing. We talk about technology a lot and where these things have changed. Because I know in the early days of things like Facebook and MySpace and that kind of stuff, you actually did have these kiosks where you could take pictures and post it to your account and do other things like that. But we can all pretty much do all of those things with our phone now, and it's a lot smaller and easier, and you're not having to deal with a public device. So I think I understand what you're saying there. It's like something that to even do a kiosk maybe past the day that you would even look at that on, on social media. What do you think? Absolutely. The, the phones are so advanced technology. Uh, well, move this forward where the need for the public devices uh, will go away. Yes. So 19 people asked the next question here, which is why yeah. I included it. I thought this was kind of interesting. Well, I, I can see <laughs> why they were wondering. That. Yeah, me too. Yeah, is <laughs> Will gaming social work in the metaverse? And then there's a kind of a subset on this, which I think I know the answer to already. And they're wondering is if you are on the metaverse and it will work, can you actually game through your headset for real gambling? And, uh, <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting question. What's your thoughts on that? Will will social gaming social work in the metaverse? It it will in the future. Uh, we don't foresee that at this time, but uh, you know there's a lot of online gaming available where you have one dealer, one one wheel roulette wheel as an example, and you have seven thousand players per spin. So oh my goodness, you know oh, it's live gaming is already uh, accomplished and out there, but uh, we're going to focus more on informing the guest where they want to play rather than 
being a vehicle for gaming. I understood, understood on that. I'm just trying to think of a 7,000. You know, my two table games that I like are roulette and craps. Um, and just often, I'm not a huge gambler, but when I have the opportunity, it's sometimes kind of fun to do that. But I'm not sure 7,000 people, it's like if you have a table with five people, it takes forever for every spin, it seems like. <laughs> so I don't know how that would work. Yeah. But uh, you, mean, um, you mean the 7,000 players per spin? Yeah, yeah. So they're they're sitting on their they're on their mobile devices throughout the wherever they're sitting, and they're watching the dealer spin the ball to the screen. It's okay. live game, online gaming, but you know it, it just the result comes through, and it processes their win or loss based on the number. So you're, so, you're yeah. so it's actually a real game, but you're still able to place bets. So I could place red, black, whatever I would want to do. Uh, you yes. know, high, low, whatever the case may be. So it's an actual bed, and it's so the seven thousand people are accomplished because it's the computer and it's one spin. Okay, that actually makes a lot more sense. Yes, I just mm-hmm. I know if you had that at a physical table in a casino, well, you might <laughs> no. never have seven thousand people. Well, obviously, we we're but, talking about the metaverse. You know, <laughs> yeah, you, uh, maybe in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. And then the one, other one that a couple of different people have asked, and I can see where this is probably a very good question is how can I advertise on gaming social? Is this going to even be an option? Advertising on gaming social will be an option. Uh, there will be a, a, a stringent uh, vetting of entities that we will allow to advertise on gaming social. Uh, just feel free to go to gamingsocial.net. Uh, give us your email address and we'll be in touch with you uh, for further approval. Now that sounds really cool. I think just right now anybody should just go and sign up. I know that's an option, and uh, the beta team's coming from this. But really, anybody that wants information, that's a, a place to go is gamingsocial.net, and you know, start to be able to put this together. True social media always takes a crowd. The social part of it, mm-hmm. and I just think it's really cool to see the interest that this is generating. In fact, I was a little bit surprised how fast our listener questions came in on this. We always get good questions, but usually not in this quantity unless we have topics that are very specific or resonate with people. And it seems like this type of a product is definitely something that appears, you know, appears to be doing that. So I just think that is is really, really cool. I cannot wait to see the first versions of this and the beta people will be able to do that to see how this actually works and how it goes together and and what it really will end up being. Are you excited about it? I got to ask you that, Chad. <laughs> Yes, I'm extremely excited. I've seen so many needs for this type of product uh, being in the gaming industry for 28 years. And, you know, uh, the question is, is where is this table? Uh, Where can I find this slot machine? Where is this denomination of slot machine? Um, Where can I, what shows do you have? They're going to have all of this at the tip of their fingers and be able to. That's going to be, that's going to be great. So gamingsocial.net, Chaz, we're out of time. Thank you so much. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is our Q&A section. Send us your questions, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. This week, we've got a lot of questions on superheroes, so we're putting Jeremy on the hot seat, and we're going to start right in here, Jeremy, with who is your favorite superhero? That's a very tough question. Uh, I enjoy Spider-Man. I enjoy Iron Man. I got Batman there, but I prefer the Justice League over the Avengers. 
Okay, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought of that. Well, anybody that disagrees with Jeremy, check out our aforementioned social media and let you know what you Send think. Send us your I angry know, messages. <laughs> I know we're going to have some comments on that one. I'm you know? sure we are. <laughs> so next question that's asked is a person that has a comic book collection. Is, are my comic books actually worth anything? And then this goes on to ask, how do I know what they're worth? Okay. Um, the Your best bet for valuing a comic book collection is to is to work through your local comic book store to find out who they would recommend if anybody in your local area to grade them. They will, they will open, you know, look at each book to verify that it's in plastic, that it's sealed, uh, whether or not it's got printing defects, folds, scuff marks, edge wear, all of those things. And that actually determines a part of the value. The other part of the value is determined by how many were produced. Mm -hmm. uh, in the case of some of the ones that I have a, a, a collection of, uh, the 90s was a nightmare for collection because they were purposefully making a lot of comic books that were collector issues with special stuff on the cover, and they printed a ton of them. So they weren't really collectible. No, <laughs> that's the problem. So there's a whole Some supply and demand. Really I know these are, these are broken up into eras, too. I like gold and silver or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's by the age of the when it was published. The golden age of comic books is a long time ago. Yeah. Right. You know, and then the and Silver I, Age and the, the the Bronze Age and the Modern Age. Uh, yes, the problem is a lot of the technology changed drastically. The printing technology. The printing, yeah. the printing technology, the paper, the ink, because uh, now they use a lot of soy-based ink, so it's not it, – it, it doesn't degrade as much. But, the, like, they, they went from, like, the newspaper quality – to now they're printing super high res magazine quality mm -hmm. comic books. Yeah. So you've got a lot, you know, it's the stories were, were different. The art is different, but it depends on, you know, what stories you're looking for and what things you want. Well, you know, also another thing that might affect the value is who the artist is. It, that, that does because have an effect. I was really disappointed. Uh, my sister had these beautiful comic books uh, uh, for Conan. Mm -hmm. beautiful drawings. Well, I didn't know it, but I guess Frazetta or Boris Vallejo did the drawings. And then years later, I went to get a, a Conan comic book and I'm looking at it going, what's this garbage? <laughs> you know? Different so so I, I had an idea of this is what, how Conan should be drawn. Mm -hmm. This is the way the characters should look. So, you know, as years go on, different artists take over the drawings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that would make sense. So now you've gotten your books graded. How do you sell them? Uh, you can work through your comic book store to do that, too. Sometimes comic book stores purchase uh, collections uh, so that they can increase their store of comic books. You can also sell them online on eBay or uh, you can work through an auction site and sell them as a group or as, uh, you know, each particular name. Like, you know, all the Ghostwriter comic books go in one group and all your stuff that's collected for each each different um like book since they're all done differently. Another question that came in here, is it possible to publish my own comic book? <laughs> that is a very uh, difficult to answer question because yes, you can. There are dozens of, of websites available uh -huh. that will help you. So they will give you the, uh, the templates and the, um, the, the, the step-by-step -step guide of how to get your book published. And uh, there are several that you can uh, work with. Um, depending on what you want to do. Are you doing a traditional comic book? Are you doing a manja comic book? Are you doing, um, you know, perfect bound? Are you doing a large book, a, a tiny book? Uh, are you doing a series of like, you know, 10 books in a row? So you want to have them all published individually. 
all of that is, is determined uh, and you can work with the publisher on how you're going to get them done. You can also do a Kickstarter campaign to get all these things paid for. So I have a question. Do you, is it possible for an artist, somebody or a writer to go to like um, a Dark Horse or a Marvel? Or is that just like you're, is that a crapshoot? Uh, it, it's kind of a crapshoot, but they do have people at comic book conventions that you can go talk to and maybe they'll like, like your stuff and maybe they'll give you a book. So it seems like that's a really good point. Getting it it's the right person. I mean, that works for pretty much anything you would publish. So I don't mm-hmm. see where this would be that different. I, yeah. Cause I had the same thing. T- I had the same thing going with my star Wars stuff. I ran yeah. into luckily the right person and then he passed away, but he handed me off to another right person, but you know, there's right. complications going on. And because it's a franchise, yeah. yeah, you got to deal yeah. with all that, too. All right, we're going to be back with our Iron Man thing here after break. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. So we're going to now keep going on comic books here. And, Jeremy, I'm going to pass this over to you to talk about Iron Man. Yay! Okay, <laughs> so Iron Man is a superhero uh, it, published by Marvel Comics. It was created in 1963 by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Um, he was, <laughs> uh, Stan Lee was trying to create a character that people wouldn't like and force them to like him, which huh. is kind of weird. This is actually <laughs> his quote. Um, I, it was the kind of height of the Cold War. The readers, the young readers, if there was one thing they hated, it was war. It was the military. So I got a hero who represented that to the hundredth degree. He was a weapons manufacturer. He was providing weapons for the army. He was rich. He was an industrialist. I thought it'd be fun to take that kind of character that nobody would like. None of our readers would like and shove him down their throats and make them like him. (laughs) And he became popular. And I I think part of that is because the, you know, the first thing we learn is that he's been injured by his own, his own armor or his own um, weapons. And, and, you know, he had then had to figure out a way to stay alive. So, so the, just like in the movies, mm-hmm. it, it, it actually paralleled the comic books because yeah. I hear lots of times that well, this is the, that's the thing. separate. They keep changing how he was injured, oh, okay. or when he was injured. Okay, like in the original comic books, he was uh, injured uh, during the Vietnam War. Ah, okay. Or a a, a war era conflict of the in the sixties because the sixty yeah okay sixty three. I think they were doing. I don't know. Um, but that's yeah. the thing. He was injured during a war. You know, he was bringing his weapons mm-hmm. into the field okay. to demonstrate them. And he was captured and injured by his own weapons. Okay. And then he had to, you know, create the Iron Man armor. This actually to struggle his way out. The, um, the bad guy in the second or the third movie, the, ma- the Mandarin. Mandarin. Yeah. Because yeah, that didn't make a whole lot of sense with the, with the Middle Eastern stuff. But it makes more sense with the Vietnam era yeah. stuff. Okay. All right, now I understand. So, I mean, we've got, uh, and it, you know, he originally had his armor was just that the gray metal. Mm-hmm. We're not sure what it was because it it was gray. Um, so he was doing something, and he always carried it around in a briefcase in the comic books, which it's like you know lugging around a seventy Jetson, like a seventy pound briefcase full of armor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, great, but so you know, it wasn't just wasn't pretty. So then the second armor was basically the same look, but it was gold colored. Mm-hmm. 
like you know made it fancier yeah made it look better so you're what you're telling me is that in the original the comic books it wasn't as cool as it is in the movie well no because they didn't have that technology right. available to yeah. them they were working with uh you know they're talking about like little tiny transistors as being the most high-tech thing you can come up with mm-hmm. so these little tiny transistors that they're talking about in the late 60s are the, the key to the technology and making the te- technology stronger and better. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's got little, you know, flat motors that make it, make it so he can lift things and okay. pressurized air so he can fly. And it's like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to suspend my disbelief because it's a comic book, you yeah. know. You do that all the time with um, science fiction. Well, yeah, fantasy. absolutely. And that's part well, it of seems, the It seems of like it. you'd almost have to. This almost sounds like an exoskeleton. It would yeah. at the time it was. Yeah. You know, it's just a, a suit of, of armor he wraps around himself. And later on, you know, it gets upgrades and the technology changes and Tony Stark is constantly making uh, upgrades and changes to his armor. It's red and gold. It's red and silver. It's all silver. It's all black. And, you know, there's a stealth suit and you know, all these all these upgrades. and. You know, he's been published for 63 to 60 years now. Yeah, Sounds you've had it for so, a while. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you had something that was you that know. long lived, I mean, I, I would see where you would be constantly tweaking. I mean, that yeah. does make yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. There's there's hundreds uh, of variations on the armor. There's a poster. Uh, I actually have a poster of like 45 suits of armor that he created. <laughs> it's like You told me something that... Um, the the gal Potts Pepper Potts. She did not marry Tony, Iron Man. No, she did not marry Tony Who Stark. Who did in the she comic marry book. in she the married, comic book? She married Happy Hogan, the driver. So John Favreau gets to marry the girl. Yeah, in the comic books. In the comic books. But I mean, that's that's one of those things. There's a a lot of of uh, things that are different between the comic books and the and and the movies because you know you make a movie, you make a movie. And movies are different. They yeah. don't use the same stuff as the comic books. It's just a basis yeah and they have a you know, more finite space of time yeah. to tell the story where in comic books you can drag it out or in novels you can grab drag, drag it out, out for years yeah. worth of worth of of stuff you know i mean tony stark had the the injury to his heart where he had the the arc reactor placed in his chest that kept the the shrapnel from getting from killing him but you know in the in comic books he had to have that charged Oh, so you okay. had to like, you know, sit in a chair and hook up a car battery to his chest yeah, to charge the thing to keep him living. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. That thing's a bit inconvenient, but. Uh. It, it was. And it, it obviously didn't feel very good either based on the comic books. So, you know, and he, he's been, you know, he's had the surgery to fix the the problem. So the, the arc reactor was just powering the armor and then he was shot and his spine was, uh, was damaged. So he couldn't walk. So he had to recreate the armor so that he could control it with his mind so that the, the armor would move. And, you know, he just mm-hmm. bodies flopping around inside the armor as it's doing stuff, you know. Right. It's just like, yay. And, and, it does seem like that'd be a better control system. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. And now he's got the super high tech nano armor that, you know, it, it's some, some really neat stories. It really are. And so it seems like real life has... And real life technology has affected how these stories work Mm -hmm. because it seems like originally, like even with the Star Wars stuff, lightsabers had to be recharged. And then now you don't really see that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's kind of like not 
feasible. Yeah, I know and, mine does. If I go to a comic con and don't return, yes. it doesn't work. But I'm talking mm-hmm. about the real ones in the story realm. Uh, yeah, well, they, you know, they have and, batteries, and, and so it seems like with comic books, like with Iron Man, mm-hmm. our real tech changes how the character is it, yeah it would and you know he he had cell phones and he, he was shown with the big the big brick phone, big brick phone. and this phone's got smaller and better and you know eventually it's just a little earbud and you know the armor got got more and more advanced and you know there were certain things he he couldn't do the thing with this armor so he had to go back to the lab and start over and create this thing and you know like the upcoming uh iron man movie is going to be about the armor wars Hmm, okay. So that should be really fabulous because the the comic book was cool. It was fabulous. I'll be looking. Tony's- I'll be looking forward to that. Hey, yeah. I got to cut you off here. We're out I of know. time. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Interesting about Iron Man. It's interesting to see how the tech changes and then oh, yeah. the stories change, you know. So, all right. So, talking about interesting movies or TV shows, since that's what we seem to do in this segment, what do you got for us this week? <laughs> well, there's a series called The Dragon Prince on Netflix, and we've been waiting for a while to you know, see more about it. Season three ended with a, a really awesome end and kind of a cliffhanger. And now season four is around and ooh, the cliffhanger is dragging on. Yeah. And it's like, Ooh, we get to find out about the evil, um, Averos. Yeah. The elf Ar- guy. Aravos. Yeah. The really cool elf guy. That's like, you know, like a Palpatine. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, listening to all our favorite voice actors talking about all these, uh, you know, all the cool stuff that they've done. And then going back and watching the cool series, I mean, we started over so we could watch it and, you know, remember what we watched. And the artwork is still really beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the the actor the uh, for Callum is the guy who played Sokka. Yes. So if, you, if you're a fan of um, the Last Airbender. The, the Last Airbender, yeah. Last Airbender series, uh, you, you can hear Sokka again. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's this just really cool stuff. Then and, and they're you know now they're talking about uh, you know there's gonna be another there's got to be at least one more season. Yeah. So they can figure it out because they're only doing nine episodes per season. Yeah. So we've started. We haven't finished it, but we've gone through quite a few episodes, and it looks like they're gonna need to do more. Mm-hmm. So I I because I, I don't I can't imagine them wrapping it up in that amount of time. No, it's yeah, interesting no, to see so. where they go with seasons on these type of things. I know one of the bummers is they're saying they're not going to do another season of the uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runner cartoon. And, you know, sometimes you need to go a little longer than just one. But what's really weird to me is watching a lot of these things that are on Netflix and other streaming services is it doesn't follow what you would consider the norms, the episode time and different things like that. So you don't really right. know you know exactly what they're going to end up doing or how they're going to do it and if they're going to be able to conclude or not or do something completely unexpected so yeah yeah i mean like we had uh i can't think of the, the name of the other series now so i guess i just screwed that one up <laughs> anyway <laughs> you know what hey, it comes back to you <laughs> yeah there's there's other the, you know other networks have other shows and the season lengths seem to vary depending on what streaming platform you're watching yeah because i remember the yeah. um yeah well was, like i was 20 watching episodes like 
I was watching this little series that's obviously geared for teenage girls called Wix. Mm-hmm. The Wix yeah, saga. Yeah, and um, it was gearing for this one person to be the bad guy, the evil bad guy. And then it, they did a complete twist around and they're like, oh, I hadn't, didn't see that coming. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, no, it's a, mm-hmm. definitely some unique things there. It's kind of cool that they have a little more flexibility because they can do more, but uh, yeah, definitely a little bit different. Well, this is User Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.